You guys are awesome. You guys went for it singing this morning. I love hearing you guys worship. You guys are so amazing. So I want to introduce kind of what we're going to be doing today and introduce everyone that's on stage. Uh, as you know, a couple of times a year, we try to do a time where we actually take your questions. So today, um, we have not prepared anything, uh, and we are going to be actually wanting you to guide us and direct us of maybe some questions you might have. So if you're out there, the number is on the screen, 931-614-0339. And notice that's a little bit different from the normal uh, normal uh, number that's up there because that number will actually go to all of our cell phones so that we can be able to read it um, um, read it all of ourselves. So anyway, um, we've got a couple of questions that people have actually emailed us in that we're going to start with. But just wanted to let you know, uh, unless you text in questions, this is going to be a really short Sunday. And some of you are going, yes. Right. Oh, hey, watch out there. Anyway, so anyway, let me introduce, uh, before we get started, I'm going to go uh, to your left, to my right. This is Patrick Fowler. Morning, guys. Patrick Fowler is our small groups pastor, and he is also our pastor of Next Step. So if you ever want to know kind of what's your next step here at One Church, Patrick uh, is your man. His email is at patrick at onechurch.tv. And uh, Patrick and I are, how long have you been serving at One Church, Pat? Two years. Two years. Is, is his mic on? Can you all hear him? I may be speaking a little little soft. All so. right, so this this ain't the bedroom, and you ain't Barry White, so okay. pick it up. You know All what right. I'm saying? We'll work on that. <coughs> I got you on that. We All did right. that. All right, this is Dave Thompson. Everybody say hello to Dave. Hey, guys. Dave is our stu- one of our student pastors, and uh, his email is at dave at onechurch.tv. And how long have you been on staff, Dave? Uh, this is my second year. Second year. Okay, very good. So anyway, Dave is awesome. Michael Lardizabal. Everybody say hello to Michael. Say hello to Michael. Hey, you guys. Oh, yes. Closer to Barry White. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. So anyway, Michael is one of our worship pastors uh, here on staff, and his uh, email address is michael at onechurch.tv if you'd like to contact him. And then this is my lovely wife. This is Kim. So uh, her email Hi. is kwedmondson at gmail.com or something. I can't even remember it. So That's right. Is that right? Thank yeah. okay. you. All right, so anyway, um, and my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors, and my email is at chris at onechurch.tv, and you can contact us all. Uh, that direction. So um, before we get started, I just want to share with you a couple of things that God has done uh, that's just really, really cool. So um, let me just kind of share with you uh, this. As you know, the past three weeks, we've been in a teaching series on money. And I'll be the first to say not many people like teaching series on money. But I have heard from two different people that this past week was the very first time they've ever trusted God enough to give 10%. And I just want to say, I just want us all to celebrate with them. Can we give it up for them? I tell you what, so amazing. And, uh, and I, you know, so many of us, and I've shared with you my story of just, just giving and the guilt and not feeling like you have enough. And I just want to, I, I, we've done this before, but I want to say this. If, if you've never given, if you've never tithed, if you'll do so the first time and you'll start that process, that if over the next month, if you need that money back, we will cut that check back to you. Because, again, this is not something we want from you. It's something we want for you. So I just, and and I know the holidays are coming, so I know times can get crazy a little bit. But this isn't about us. It's about God and you trusting God. So let me tell you what God has done just over the past month. As you know, we closed on some land uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and the sign actually went up yesterday. So when you drive by Sonic, make sure to look at the sign. But this is where um, this past year, a year ago, 
from November 1st to November 23rd, uh, I want to compare today, this year and last year's, we collected about $18,000 uh, in tithes and offerings in 2013. This same amount of time, November 1st to November the 23rd, 2014, God has blessed us with $62,747. That is amazing. And let me tell you, that's because you guys trusted God enough to give and to try them out. I just, and I just want to give you some, because I can't do math. I asked our bookkeeper, Jamie, I says, can you give me like the percentage increase? Because I, I don't do that, right? Um, I don't keep figure that out. He says, this year to last year is a 78.2% change. And last month to this month of this year was a 46.9% change. So I just want to say God is good. And I'm so grateful for you guys giving and trusting God the way you have. So with that being said, have we gotten our first question yet? We did, yes. All right, read it to us. It is, what is your favorite passage in the Bible and why? All right, Pat, why don't you answer that? Oh, man, that's a tough one. So Chris and I, um, we, we not only have read the Bible a few times, but we've had to go through it with professors in a, in a formal <laughs> setting. So some of that rubs off. Some of just the passion of a, a professor tends to rub off. Um, man, for me, um, you know, Abraham is my favorite biblical character. And I think it's because he's one of the first people you really get to know as, a, as an individual in Scripture. Um, before the law, before Moses, before a bunch of commands, you meet this one guy, Abraham, who, who really struggles in his walk with God. And, uh, and for me, uh, I think I identify most with him. And, uh, and I just appreciate kind of the ups and downs of, of his life. So my favorite passage, of course, is the one I think a lot of people know. It's where, um, it's where God asks him to <coughs> sacrifice his son. And he has to go up to this mountaintop and, uh, and take his son and, uh, and put him literally on an altar. And he even raises the knife to kill him, and God stops him right then and there. Uh, one of the things I discovered when I studied it in, in um, school was that that mountaintop is actually where, centuries later, King David um, buys a plot of land and, and builds a mountaintop. It's the mountaintop where uh, Jesus uh, actually ends up on the cross. And so what you see is... Uh, as God likes to write, I say the mystery novel, uh, you get to see this unveiling of Abraham didn't end up sacrificing his son there, but God did end up sacrificing his son there. And so I just love the, uh, the depth of that passage. Cool. Anyone else want to answer? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I really have two. I, I know that's unfair, but you know, whatever, I've got the mic. So um, I, I love the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and really, I, I think uh, what, what your favorite passage in, in Scripture comes with, whatever it is that God's talking to you about in the moment. Um, Sermon on the Mount, it, uh, uh, one, it, it just, it, it's, it's impossible to achieve. Uh, and and I, I truly feel that, that God, through the Sermon on the Mount, he pushes all of us to be uh, beyond average, uh, anything but average, to be honest. And uh, so I really feel that's what God's pushing for me right now, is uh, to go the extra mile, to... Uh, to love my, my enemy, to, uh, you know, just all those things that, that God talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. And then as well um, is the book of Acts. Uh, just the, the seeing how uh, from the death of Christ and, and resurrection through the, the first century church, like how it came into existence uh, in a time where uh, Christians were persecuted and uh, just honestly was not a, a very safe place to be a Christ follower. The fact that we can now have uh, what was percentage? I don't even know. We have one of the largest followings in the world, and uh, how it started with just you know twelve people and then expanded and expanded and expanded is just really interesting to me. Cool. Anyone else? Yeah, sure. Um, 
probably my favorite verse in the entire Bible is is uh, the whole first chunk of Romans 5. Um, I've always been like a really happy-go-lucky, optimistic, like, it's not just a silver lining, it's like a gold lining with like neon lights surrounding it. Um, like, I, it's always been that way. Yeah, it's good. Neon lights right there. Yeah, that was great. Um, so when I, when I first really experienced uh, any kind of like life trials, uh, I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, I was just so unused to, to letting anything face me. Um, and so this, this passage says, uh, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And it's like, okay, sweet. That's the good part. That's what I usually deal in. And then, and then he goes on to say, Paul says, like, also rejoice in your sufferings. Because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And that hope is not going to be put to shame because it's put in you by the Holy Spirit. Um, and then the whole next section is this amazing passage where um, it just talks about how that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and so for me, like knowing that there was God was going to use any trials that I went through to build me up so I can be a better person to help other people get to know him. Uh, and, and after going through some of those trials that I went through, it was amazing how when I came out of that season and I, I finally like found that smiles and laughter could be a thing again. Um, God put people in my path that had dealt with the exact same things I, I just been through. And so I was able to be there for them. And um, so just kind of seeing that God has a purpose, even in pain is, is a beautiful thing. Uh, and then I'm back to my optimistic self. So um, I, I really love that. And so if, if any of you guys ever struggle, Romans five, it's good. And I hope it uh, helps you. It's awesome. Um, I have the passage that I really love is um, when Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples before he is going to be crucified. He sits down with the 12 disciples who have been his closest friends, his supporters, his followers, his biggest doubters, um, but the 12 guys that he chose to walk with him. And he sits with them and he looks at them and says, you are the ones who have stood with me in my trials. And I love that picture of the heart of Jesus, that he looked at those men who had frustrated him so badly, who were so confused about who he really was. And in that moment, just the pureness of his heart shows through when he says, you are the ones, you've stood with me. And it just shows that on some level, Jesus needed them as much as they needed him. And I uh, just, I just love that picture. And I love that he was just tender enough to just acknowledge that he loved him, them and that he needed them. Um, as far as the favorite verse for me, um, Zephaniah um, chapter three, verse 17 says, let me get it up here. For the Lord, your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Uh, do we have another question? Um, the, uh, the next question is, uh, we talked about the tithe, um, and someone had a question of that shows up in the Old Testament, uh, but not so much in the New. Uh, why do we use that as kind of a, 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 the language we use when we talk about giving? Chris, I'm going to defer that one to you. Actually, read it again because I was actually reading another question. <laughs> Sorry. I, I have great listening skills, 
uh, I'll read it as he wrote it. I thought um, that Christ did away with the law, um, but why don't we refer to the Old Testament support for tithing? Well, that's, a, that's a good question. So, um, well, here's the thing, uh, and, and this is, and you kind of mentioned this with you talking through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in so many other different things in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But then he says, but I tell you the truth, if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, you've already committed adultery. He says, you shall not commit murder. He says, but I tell you the truth. And he goes, he takes the law and then he goes even beyond it. And in that same spirit, I believe that God, through Jesus Christ, he fulfilled the law. But it's one of those things that Jesus never does go back on the law. It, it, he always says, go the extra mile. It's kind of like what Dave was talking about when it comes to um, uh, giving and not being mediocre and being excellent with that. So um, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, that we are to not give compulsively, but we are to give generously. And for God loves a cheerful giver. And I believe that tithing, in, in a lot of ways, is just the bedrock that we should start with. And then from there, you can give over and above. And I've shared with you guys uh, that my wife and I struggled for a long, long time with this. And we give over now, not because we're super Christians, because we're not. It's not because we have great faith, because to be honest with you, I still struggle with faith. Uh, it's just one of those things that uh, we've seen it now as, you know, this is, this is the bedrock of what the law says. And Jesus wants to go even farther than that. Dave, it looks like you want to say something here too as well. Yeah, uh, just to go off again back to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew five seventeen says... Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Um, Jesus never abolished it. If um, How can I really put this? If something is, is good for you um, and Jesus comes and says, Hey, you know, even if you don't do this, I, I'm still going to love you. doesn't change the fact that it's not still good for you. Uh, giving to God first is, is always going to be good for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just uh, you know, a principle we should live by. That's a good question. Thank you so much for that question. Well, um, just one other thing to add. You know, the, the thing about giving in, in Scripture is God compels us to give out of what we have, what we're able to. Um, I love um, uh, what, the way another pastor had said it. He said, you know, there are some people in here who could give 10%, and they wouldn't even feel that. It wouldn't even be a drop in the bucket for them. You know, Jesus has an encounter with a rich young ruler. And uh, and when the ruler pushes him for how do I how do I get aggressive, how do I follow, how do I know that I'm, uh, I'm in Christ, Jesus says, go sell everything. And for that guy, for him in particular, that was Jesus' desire, was that he sell everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 10% is a good benchmark. It's a good principle to go by. And, and we have to speak in principles so often from here. But when you hear from Jesus personally and particularly in your own life, you follow what he says. And that could be 5%. It could be 10%. It could be 100%. It just it matters on what God is trying to tell you and how big a grip sometimes money has on your heart. Because um, that's the danger. The big danger there is um, are, are you serving God? Or does money have you tied to something else? Let me throw another monkey wrench in here as well. Uh, if, if you look through the, uh, the book of Acts, Dave was talking about like in the book of Acts. In numerous occasions in the book of Acts, in uh, Acts chapter, end of chapter 4, it talks about all the believers sold everything they had and gave their money to the poor. So it's one of those things, if we really do want to be a New Testament giving church, <laughs> I don't know if we want that. Um, because uh, people would be like saying, okay, it's not just mine, it's ours. And uh, I think people probably would kind of balk at that. So uh, uh, it's amazing when it comes to all the Old Testament requirements in, in, the, in the New Testament, it's always above. And, and some of you are like, well, I can't do that. And, and I get it. Remember this. It's, it, it, he, he asked for above so that he can realize we can't do it on our own, that God will help us through that. So, again, that's a 
good response. Uh, next question, anyone? The next question really is just about um, struggling through marriage and having um, having a partner in life who um, breaks your trust over and over and how to rebuild that. So uh, the question was phrased in terms of infidelity, but um, but just trying to how do you how, how do you move forward? What's your next step? What how do you repair that and come to a place where the marriage is connected together? Okay, who wants to speak about that? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, I think this question comes from the perspective of. Um, a place of definite hurt and betrayal, um, probably some fear and worry there. And um, as a female, I can certainly say that one of the biggest things that a husband can provide for his wife is security. Um, one of the biggest needs that I have from Chris is to know that I am secure, that I'm secure in my relationship with him, that we are secure in our home, that we, I'm secure in his provision for our family. Um, that security means a lot to me. So when you're in a situation where that person that you look to to help provide you security um, is not being faithful to you, that is, that's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, there's, there's no words to fully describe what that can feel like. I guess the first thing that I would say is um, I wonder if that spouse is a believer, if that spouse has a relationship with the Lord, because if not... That, of course, is going to be the biggest need that needs to be addressed to begin with. And it sounds kind of churchy, but the only thing I know to say is hit your knees and pray like crazy. Um, and if you are not the person to speak that truth of Christ into his or her life, then ask God to bring someone that could speak that truth of his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. And also, I think that when we're in a situation like that where we don't have control of another person, then we just sincerely have to ask God to begin to break their heart, to cause a need in that person that makes them long for God more than they long for anything else. And it may mean that we have to watch them go through some pretty difficult things, things that we can't help with, but to understand that the ultimate need of every one of us is the love and the saving grace of God. And we have to begin there before we can go anywhere else. Of course, communication and honesty are absolutely paramount in those relationships um, and counseling. To seek out a Christian counselor, even if your spouse doesn't go, right. you go yourself and find someone who can love and listen and support you in, um, in what you're going through. And, uh, and also just ask those who are around you to pray. I know sometimes when we're in a situation like that, it just feels like I can't share this with anybody. I'm so alone and I feel forgotten. But I promise you, there are plenty of us here who would love to gather with you and pray and support you and ask God on your behalf and that of your spouse to, number one, fix that heart and fix that mind, and number two, save your marriage and your family. Ephesians 4.32 says this, um, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. And it's one of those things that many times, if we rely on our feelings to offer forgiveness, we will never, ever forgive anyone. We just won't. Uh, this isn't a feelings issue. This is a choice issue. Um, so I believe that you need to work on and have somebody come alongside you to help working on forgiveness. Now, let me tell you this, though. Forgiveness is different than trust. Uh, you can forgive someone um, 
and, and but so, you know they're gonna there's gonna have to be some time passes before trust can be earned or brought back. And it doesn't mean that you lord it over them and say you got to do this in order to earn. I'm not saying that, but um, this is one of those areas you have been hurt, you have been wounded so so terribly. My encouragement to you is don't give in the towel. Um, I've known some people in my life and in my past who have reeled from infidelity and affairs and that they have come back and God has made that marriage even stronger than it ever was before that ever happened. So my encouragement to you is, at least when it comes to you, you can't control them, but work on forgiving. And one of the best ways I can explain that is don't compare you and them and say, you know, because if you do that, you'll probably never forgive them. Compare you and Jesus and what Jesus has done and offers you when it comes to forgiveness. Anybody else want to speak about that? I just wanted to mention, you did a sermon series called Pursued um, a little while back, and it was through the book of Hosea. Um, I think one of the biggest things you need to know, um, because I I hurt hearing this, is um, Hosea was a guy whose spouse was unfaithful multiple times. And uh, and he was told to marry her and to love her because it represented how much um, of a struggle God had loving us because we do that to God. We're unfaithful to God. And I just want you to know that God feels your pain, that if there's anybody in the entire world who can empathize with you uh, to a deeper level, who's been betrayed much worse, more repeated times, it's God. And, um, and, and it may be worth to go back to the sermons, to pick up that book, and just to feel God's heart and, and to know that he identifies with you in that situation. And the other thing I would just say is what Kim, Kim said as well, that the, the healing, the only place I know that this kind of life change happens is when you're close to Jesus. You've got to, you and your spouse have got to find a way um, to get madly, madly in love with Jesus and madly in love with one another. And, uh, and God can do that. God has the power and the strength to do that. And I don't know anywhere else that you can go to do that. Um, but whatever it takes, counseling, the right books, the sermon series, a small group to encourage you, you need people to walk through the season with you and get you to that place. And you can get there. I've seen couples do it. It's the most inspiring, most exciting thing I've ever seen. Um, but, um, but getting there is hard. Okay. Um, <clears throat> keep bringing it back to Sermon on the Mount. Uh, one, of, one of the big things that Jesus talks about is the golden rule, um, which is great. It's, it's a good rule. It's uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, uh, but I believe in something just a little bit higher, which is actually what I like to call the platinum rule. Uh, which is do unto others as God has already done unto you. Um, and I know that that doesn't seem the same, but it goes along with what Chris was talking about, how if you compare, you know, we can all look back at some really, uh, you know, dirty, dark secrets of our past and how God has still shown faithfulness to us. Um, and in turn, that empowers us to do the same to uh, for somebody else. And uh, so do unto others as God has already done unto you. I just want to pause and say, I think David just one-up Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll have to talk about that later. All right. You know, I love you, dude. So any, anyone else? All right, next question. What are your thoughts about being Christian and also being gay? This will be a fun one. Um, first thing I would say is, uh, talking about going back to past sermons, uh, we did a series back in August called What Would Jesus Say To? And we talked about what would Jesus say to Ellen. So I would encourage you to go back. And listen to that if you have some questions. Uh, the first thing I would say is this. Let me kind of rephrase this and say, what do you think, what are your thoughts about Christians and also struggling with their sin? Any Christians in here still struggle with sin? That's what I think about that. So I'll tell you this. Um, some of the most godliest people I have met struggle with homosexuality. 
just like some of the most godliest people I've met, struggle with lying, struggle with gossip, struggle with affairs. Um, I believe that God uh, can rescue and will rescue anyone because all of us struggle with sin. Um, Romans 3.23 says this, uh, We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious ideal. Or Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, the results of sin, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. So I think it's one of those things that, um, and again, I I thank you so much for asking the question. I think all of us, when we ask Jesus Christ to be a part of our lives, we get a new identity. And we're no longer just seen as a sinner anymore. One of the hymns that I most despise is I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Some people go like, I love that hymn. I kind of like it too. It's bad theology. Because you know what? I'm not just a sinner anymore. You see, when you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you're no longer just a sinner. You now are a saint. Now, for some of you, you kind of grew up maybe in a different denomination, maybe a Catholic church, and you're thinking a saint. Well, that, no, a saint in the Old Testament. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's in chapter 3, that, that Paul writes these to the saints who are in Corinth. And if you've ever read 1 Corinthians, they were anything but acting saintly. They were crazy, all right, crazy people. But because they had asked Jesus to be their Savior, they weren't just sinners anymore. So our identity is not found in, in being addicted to porn, or I'm a gossip, or I struggle with shopaholics, or I'm a homosexual. Uh, it's higher than that. Uh, God died for all of our sin. So anyway, I don't know if anybody else wants to talk about that. You, I would say that that sermon was one of the best ways that we, and we get this every time. And I, what I would say is the church at large makes homosexuality a big deal, uh, bigger than it should be. And, and they shove people out the doors who need to be in church, who need to be a part of this fellowship. And we're not like the average church. So um, we, to, to say everything else, you've really got to listen to the sermon because there's a lot to say about the subject. But, um, but we love people from all walks of life. And especially this environment on Sunday mornings is available to anybody. And we want anybody to be here to connect with Jesus and to be and to be, start becoming part of our church family. Thanks, Matt. All right. Next question. Uh, what's the difference between the temple tax and tithing? I have no idea. <laughs> Let me do some research on that. And I will, I, will, I will say this. You know, we talk about tithing. That's giving 10%. In the Old Testament, uh, it was more than just giving 10% because there was a temple tax. Uh, when you take out all of the, the things that they were to give... Uh, in through the Old Testament law, they were actually giving around 30% of their income. Uh, so uh, uh, that's really kind of all I know about that. And again, I apologize. I'll try to do some research on that. But thanks for the question. So, any other questions? One other one we got this week, um, just from someone in conversation, was how do I recommit my life? How do I get? I've been stalled spiritually. How do I get going again? Mm-hmm. All right. Anybody want to? Answer that? Well, I tell you one uh, good thing, and it's something that we actually offer here. Um, we offer uh, something called Christianity 101. And I know it seems like it's, hey, it's just basics. You know, let's let's come together and talk about the the, the base ideas of, of Christianity. <laughs> but really, it's more than that because it's actually a conversation-based uh, uh, community that meets uh, what four times a year. Four. Yeah, well, we four start them off four times a year. They go for ten weeks, ten so weeks. you get kind of a small group experience on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And it's a great place for you to come and say, hey, you know what? I was in the church for a period of time. I bounced out, said deuces, did what I did, you know. Uh, now I'm back, and, um, you know, what do I do now? And uh, we actually have great leaders in there who, who will just sit down and talk to you. Uh, the whole point is to talk about where you're at in life and uh, how to keep moving forward. 
another great environment is we have something called Next, uh, which happens the third Sunday. Yeah, but you just stay in here after the services. Yeah. Third Sunday of every month, uh, you stay right in here. We'll sit down and we'll talk one-on-one with you. You could talk as a group. If you're a little shy like that, I'm cool. Um, but uh, we'll chat and see what your next step is and see how we can get you back uh, committed. So. Can you repeat the question? The yeah, just kind of how do you recommit or restart your relationship with Jesus? I think an important thing to to think about when when, when going to this idea of recommitting, re, rededicating uh, your life to Jesus is that, um, one, that's fantastic, and, and God is, is always stoked that someone is deciding to, to get more serious about the relationship with him. Um, but that for God, it's not like that you, you got so far and progressed and got to, like, level five if, if it was like a video game and then all of a sudden you're back at level one um but instead that god is is with you through all those times uh hebrews 6 4 says this for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the holy spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of god and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the son of god to their own harm and holding him up to contempt now, that at first to me sounds like, oh, so once I, if I mess up and I fall away, like, I can't, I'm not okay again. But I, I read through it again, uh, and I just was, like, really sitting with this verse, and I realized that it, that when God, like, died on the cross for all of us, like, it was good enough for all the times we're going to mess up. That, like, you don't have to crucify God again on that cross to be then okay with him and, and, and rededicate yourself in terms of that. Like, it's great to have a, a, a recommitment to be like, you know what, God, I've not been serious. I want to get serious right now. But the thing is, like, God once and for all died for you and saved you, saved you from your sins. Um, and, and when you've experienced that, like, you are his child forever. And uh, so in that, it's, it's one of those things where uh, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So, like, a lot of times, I know for me, and when I've kind of, like, had times where I fell away from God, I kind of felt shame. I kind of felt, like, this guilt, like, oh, I want to go back to God, but, like, it's it's hard. Like, I've been away. I don't know what to do. But the thing is, like, when, when God's saying, like, there's therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus, like, what you're feeling when you want to, like, recommit to him is, is more conviction than it is condemnation. It's not shame. It's just saying, hey. I want you to get back on the path because I know that's what's going to be good for you. And that's where you're going to experience my love and my peace and my joy. And it's going to be awesome. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you in that if that was something you were struggling with because I've struggled with that. I love that. And I love the opposite view of that as well, that think about us in our lives. And maybe we have a relationship with someone that we love or a friend that is fractured. And that person comes back to us and says, And I blew it. And I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I don't know about you, but that just, that is such a gift to me when someone does that. To know that that relationship is so sacred and and important to them that they care enough to come back. And of course, in most cases when that happens, we're just like, yes, yes, I forgive you. Thank you so much. I love you. That's how God is with us. He's not sitting up in the great heavenly gold chair staring down at us going, oh, mm, oh, you misstep there. Oh, write that down. Oh, check that off. Oh, didn't do that. That's not how he is. His heart is one that's full of compassion for us. He longs for us. 
Think about that. He longs for us. He longs for you. He longs for me. And so when we see God in that way, it kind of takes us out of that, oh, he's going to be so mad at me from that idea to, man, he just longs for me. Do you want to talk about the prodigal son there, David? (laughs) Um, Well, you know, big thing about, uh, well, big thing about my story is actually I, I I didn't just step away from God. I ran from God. Uh, I was an atheist for 10 years. Uh, uh, I was the prodigal son. I, I, I just completely uh, uh, disappeared. And um, and I, I was just starting to get into the point, you know, when I was 13 years old, starting to kind of understand it, didn't really get it, but started to get it. And uh, then I just had one thing after another. And that's a, another sermon for another day. But um, ran, and I was uh, an atheist for 10 years. And, you know, the cool thing is whenever I, I walked through these doors uh, three years ago, uh, August 14th, 2011, uh, I walked in uh, with the intention. I mean, I looked like the prodigal son. Like it talk, prodigal son talks about how he, you know, he he slept with the pigs and he ate out of their trough and he just smelt bad and this and that. Like I came in, my hair was messed up. I was wearing a t-shirt and some shorts. I wanted to make sure all my tattoos were showing the brightest green plugs I could find. My shirt smelt like beer. Like it was, I was rough. And uh, I'll never forget. Like it was really cool. Uh, and this was kind of my first image of uh, of grace to, to some extent, but. Uh, I saw this guy, and he was like the epitome of uh, a square, the epitome of church, I guess you could say. Um, he had the khakis. He, well, he kind of looks more like what I look like now. but um, <laughs> So he had the khakis, the shoes, the belt, the perfect hair, you know, the polo shirt tucked in. And I was excited because I thought, bring on the judgment. Because a lot of us feel, uh, whenever we step away from God, that, that we have to go through this this time of, of you know, convincing God that we're actually committed this time and we're actually going to do this. And, um, and, uh, you know, I walked in and, and he, he was just, you know, I was excited cause I thought he was going to judge me and then I could prove to my friend I didn't belong in church. And, uh, he welcomed me and I was excited I was here. It's a great depiction of the prodigal son. Cause whenever the prodigal son came back, no matter what it was, God threw down everything or not God well. The father, who is who's you know supposed to look like God in this uh, story, threw out everything he had and just ran for him. Uh, and that's the fact. Your, your heavenly father, right now, if you're trying to recommit, he is running for you uh, as you speak. You just simply have to accept it. Um, the the best way to recommit your life is to say, you know what, God, I, I surrender. I'm, I'm giving it all to you. And uh, and what that looks like is is going to be different for all of us. Um, but that's nice. Yeah, no problem. We're getting close to the end. Um, God, I think we've got one more question. <clears throat> uh, can God stop ISIS? Yes. Next question. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, if you think about it, uh, I, you know, I know that's one of the things that we're hearing a lot in the news about everything that's going on in Syria and Iraq. Um, and it, it, for a lot of us who live in the States, you know, it, we can live in a, with fear. We can live with, you know, what's going to happen? What does the future hold? Um but I will tell you what God's Word says about the future is that uh, uh, as bad as it is now, that eventually it's, things are going to get worse before things get better. And then Jesus is going to return. And uh, for those of us who are believers, uh, we're going to be caught up together with him in the clouds. That's what First Thessalonians says, chapter 4. And uh, we're going to go home uh, with him. So I believe uh, that one day uh, all wars will stop and all the enemies will be vanquished and uh, 
on that day, it will be Jesus who does that. So, um, but uh, thank you so much for your question. Um, you want to say something else, Matt? I was just going to say, we lose brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters every day, because um, while Christianity is kind of normal in the U.S., it's not normal in other places. we got a guy from Turkey who tunes in most every week and watches our services online, and that's a country where they don't they don't like Christians, So, and they'll, they'll take things away from you, they'll... They'll harm you. Um, there's not much justice for Christians. Uh, funny thing about that is that, that Christianity grows faster in places like that uh, than it does in places like this. And I think that's kind of God's irony, that people try to stamp out um, our faith. And, uh, and, and when they try to do that, they realize that Christians have something nobody else has. They have this love and this grace that just can't be quenched. Uh, my prayer for ISIS is not that, that we stop it. Um, with force, though there are elements and times when we definitely need that, but, but that uh, grace shows up as well. And that really what overcomes any ideology that, that's full of hate is, uh, is the love of God. And, uh, and so we try to do both. We, we put justice and we, we trust our government to save lives where there's no other way to do that than with force. But we pray that, that grace uh, overcomes this world. And, and I hope you guys know we, we partner with a group in India, which is another, um, uh, excuse me, Dubai which is another very closed place, to send missionaries into the Middle East who are planting new churches, who are rescuing people for the kingdom. Because ultimately we think that that, if we could pour some energy into that as a church, that will make far bigger difference um, than our speculation and our news headlines and, and our worries about that. So we try to partner with For All Mankind, and, um, and we pack compassion kits for them, and uh, we'd like to send a people, some people over um, just to see what they're doing in Dubai over the course of about 10 days next year. So hopefully we can do that. Guys, uh, as uh, we exit the stage, let me just tell you this. For some of you, uh, this may be your very first time in church, and um, this looked, I know, a little bit different. One of the biggest things I want you to hear from us is that it is okay to ask questions. It is okay. For some of you, you doubt. You know what? Doubting is not a bad thing as long as it leads you to the answers. If If you're seeking those answers... I believe that God is not biting his nails up in heaven going, I hope they don't ask that question, right? Um, we want you to, this, we want this to be a dialogue. It's the reason why we did that this way today. But also, if you want to go even further than this, just as Dave and Patrick have mentioned, uh, we do Christianity 101 four times a year. When is our next one, Pat? So the first week of January, uh, we, you can be invited into an environment that happens during a Sunday morning service where you can come in and ask any question. And if you like, well, I don't know if the Bible is this and doesn't this contradict and did God really and all of that stuff. You could actually go into that environment and they're not going to be shying away from your questions, but they're going to be going to the Bible and they're going to be answering those questions. So my encouragement to you today you're like, okay, I didn't get, we didn't get to your question. I think we got to all of them, but maybe you didn't ask the question. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep on seeking answers, and God will reveal himself to you. So let's give it up for these guys.